I'm going to start at verse 40. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we consider your word, we pray that you would speak to us, you would encourage us, and you just make us aware of your presence here this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So from verse 40. Now when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, a ruler of the synagogue, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house, because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. Seems wherever Jesus goes, there are crowds and there are people uh, crushing in to see him. Uh, The week we had Jesus uh, fleeing the crowd, uh, heading into a boat and heading out across uh, the storm, taking his disciples with him. And here again, he's returned and once more, there is a crowd. They've heard that Jesus is a healer. They've heard that he's a preacher. They've heard that he is a wonder worker. And so they come uh, to find him out. Some are curious, some are skeptical, some are uh, looking for an encounter, some are just uh, uh, wanting to know what the fuss is all about. Then a man named Jairus uh, comes to the fore. We know a few things about this. Uh, First of all, he is a man. Uh, Second, we know his name. He's called uh, Jairus, and that name means the one whom God enlightens the one who discovers something about God. Third, he is a ruler of the synagogue. The synagogue was like the kind of church for the Jews of the day, much as a synagogue is now. It's a house of worship, but it's more than that. It's a place where the community meet and gather together. Each community would have a synagogue in its midst, a town synagogue. It'd be a kind of meeting hall, community centre, a church, a place where worship was conducted. And the synagogue leader was an important man. He oversaw the worship. He made sure everything was done properly and in good order. He would represent the community to outside as much as a kind of imam in a Muslim village might do so today. He was a kind of magistrate. He would uh, settle disputes between uh, households and people. So he was was an important figure. And in uh, Jesus' time at this, the height of his ministry, as his uh, fame is uh, spreading, the synagogue rulers are not sure about Jesus. In other parts of the gospel, we read that the the synagogue leaders come and they, they argue with Jesus and they debate with Jesus. Jesus has more authority than them. Jesus has more power than them. Jesus has larger crowds than them. He has more of a following than them. And that makes them nervous and it makes them uncomfortable. Some are intrigued by Jesus. Some think Jesus might perhaps be the Messiah. And so some of the synagogue leaders, men like Nicodemus, they come quietly. They come away from the crowds, lest anybody would see them. They come at night. And they sit and they, they talk with Jesus and they find out more about him. I don't know if Jairus was opposed. I don't know if he was uh, skeptical. I don't know if he was curious, if he was intrigued. I do know he was desperate. For his daughter is dying. His daughter is 12 years old. She's on the cusp of womanhood. 
She's at that stage of life where in her, her culture they would start, be starting to think about uh, potential uh, matches for marriage. Uh, soon she could be uh, betrothed. Her life is just uh, kind of opening up before her, full of opportunities and possibilities. And yet she's dying. It's like a flower in bud and then the, the frost comes and it's destroyed before it blooms. And so Jairus walks through the crowd and he comes up to Jesus and he falls at his feet. Just sang, didn't we? I fall at your feet. Jairus falls at Jesus' feet and he pleads with him for his daughter's life. Jesus tells Jairus to stand up asks him to lead the way through the crowd, and they make their way to Jairus' house. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. And a woman was there who'd been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She'd spent all she had on doctors, and no one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. Another one falling at his feet. And in the presence of all the people, she told why she'd been touched, why she had touched him, and how she'd been instantly healed. Then he said to her daughter, "Your faith has healed you. Go in peace." So we have a man, Jairus. Now we have a woman, and we don't know the woman's name. I wonder if anybody knew uh, the woman's name. We know a few things about her. For 12 years, she's been suffering from bleeding. We don't know what that, what that is, what that means, but presumably, and I think it's a good uh, presumption, it's some kind of uh, menstrual uh, uh, problem. She's kind of got a double whammy, if you like. She's this condition that she suffers with, which would be uncomfortable and, uh, and embarrassing and, and, and uh, uh, debilitating. She's also got what that means in that society. In the Jewish culture, there are two ways, or there are more than two ways, but the, the two main ways you could be, uh, become ritually unclean was to, be, uh, to touch blood or to touch somebody or something that had died. And if that, you did that, you needed to be cleansed before you could be readmitted into the community. She has a tw- uh, constant bleeding for 12 years. For 12 years, she is ritually unclean. She can't worship in Jairus' synagogue. She can't offer prayers along with the community who go there to pray um, each day. She can't enter the temple courts where Jesus said this will be a house of prayer for all nations. She's desperate to be healed, and so she's spent all of her money on doctors, and none of them can help her. She's impoverished uh, materially. She's excluded from the community. 
She too is desperate. For the 12 years that Jairus has seen his daughter grow and blossom and flourish, uh, she's been wrestling uh, with this condition. So she too is desperate and she too comes to Jesus. But she doesn't come face on as Jairus does. She creeps up behind. She doesn't stand before Jesus as uh, Jairus does. She, She approaches obliquely. She doesn't initially fall at her feet as Jairus does and and address Jesus directly. She can't speak to him. She just knows, if I just touch his cloak, if I can just touch his cloak. And so she does. And in the jostling, and in the bustling, and in the midst of the crowd, Jesus notices This unknown woman, we have no name, touches him. And Jesus notices. Power goes out from him. Even it seems Jesus isn't fully aware of what's what's going on here. But the Father in heaven who sees all things, he sees exactly what is happening. And by his spirit, he is at work. Someone has touched me, I know that power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go and notice, and my, how she would have wanted to go and noticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she touched him and how she'd been instantly healed. And then he said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Now go in peace. In all the Gospels, there's only one occasion where Jesus addresses a woman as daughter. And this is it. The woman with no name. The woman who was unclean. The woman who was excluded. Healed. Restored. Set free. And addressed in the most uh, intimate and uh, fraternal of terms. Daughter. While Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler. Your daughter is dead. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid. Just believe and she will be healed. When he arrived at the house of Jairus, he did not let anyone go with him except Peter, John and James and the child's father and mother. Meanwhile, the people were wailing and mourning for her. Stop wailing, Jesus said. She's not dead, but asleep. They laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But he took her by the hand and said, my child, get up. Her spirit returned, and at once she stood up. Then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. Her parents were astonished, but he ordered them not to tell anyone what had happened. So Jairus gets some bad news. Jesus has gained a daughter, and Jairus has lost a daughter. Your daughter is dead. 
And hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just believe, and she will be healed. That word for believe is the word uh, pisto. It occurs a few times uh, in Luke's Gospel, and it's occurred a few times over the last uh, few weeks. Jesus says to the woman who touches him, your faith, your pisto has healed you. He says to Jairus, who is in despair, don't worry, just have pisto, your daughter will be restored. And in the stilling of the storm, when the disciples are fearing for their lives and not sure what to do, Jesus says to them, oh you of little pisto, oh you of little faith. It's a word which has uh, two uh, kind of uh, uh, roots or connotations or meanings that kind of intertwine and overlap um, with each other. The first meaning is to trust. To trust. Faith is trusting. When Jesus says, uh, believe in me, he's not saying, do you believe that I exist? As we might say, well, I believe in God or I don't believe in God or I'm not sure I believe in God. It's, It's not that meaning. Jesus is standing before them, and so he self-evidently does exist. When he's saying, do you believe in me? He's saying, do you, do you trust me? To the disciples in the boat in the storm, he says, oh, you, you, have, you have little trust. You should have known that my work is not yet done. We will get through to the other side. To the woman with the hemorrhage, he says, your, your trust in me as what has healed you. You've put your trust in the right one. You've come to the right place. And to Jairus, whose daughter has just died, do not be afraid, but trust, and she will be healed. The first root is the word uh, of the meaning of the word is is trust. And the second, which uh, follows on from that, is to uh, surrender. To surrender. Jairus falls at Jesus' feet and surrenders to him. He might have been curious. He might have been antagonistic. He might have been cynical. He might have been angry at the ministry of Jesus. But at this, his moment of need, he surrenders and he kneels. The woman, she has tried everything. She has been everywhere. She's seen every doctor. What is left for her? Only to surrender at Jesus' feet. And so they're going to Jairus' house, and there's the wailing and the, the mourning going on, and Jesus tells him to, to be still, and he shuts the door. He keeps all that outside, and he takes in uh, the, the girl's mum and her father, and Peter, James, and John. If you touch a dead body, you become unclean, but it doesn't stop Jesus. He takes the girl's hand, and he tells her, my child, get up. And it's the phrase that a father would use when he was waking his daughter in the morning. Wake up, little one. Time to get up. Life is restored. Light shines in the darkness. She wakes. Life is restored. 
Sort some breakfast out for her, Jesus says. In chapter 9, Jesus will ask a question of Peter. And the question is this. Who do you say that I am? Who do you think I am, Peter? Peter has been there in the boat in the storm. Peter has been there at the deliverance of the the demonized man, a a passage we've not looked at this last week. uh, Peter has been there as the woman uh, pushed through the crowd. Peter has been there as Jairus' daughter has come to life. Who Who do you think I am, Peter? And Peter says, you are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. You are the Messiah. There's a lesson in this story about who Jesus is. He is the promised one. He's the one who brings life. He's the one who brings healing. He's the one who brings deliverance. He's the one who brings restoration. It's a lesson that Peter would learn and relearn and learn again over and over again. It's a lesson that we need to keep relearning and reminding ourselves of. Who is Jesus? He's the one who brings life. He's the one who brings healing. He's the one who brings deliverance. In these three short years, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords would bring in his kingdom into the lives of ordinary people. Blind eyes would see. Lame would walk. Prisoners would be set free. And the culmination of that, that inbreaking of his kingdom would be his death and resurrection. Death would be defeated. Uh, darkness uh, defeated once and for all. And then he would ascend to heaven. And he would send his spirit into our hearts to cry, Abba, Father. To draw us back to Jesus. To draw us to God's only son. That we might discover who we are in him. And Jesus would teach his disciples and teach us to pray. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. One day his kingdom will be revealed in all its fullness, in all its glory, in all its uh, perfection. But that day is not yet here. And until it comes, there will still be sickness and and healing. There will still be death and new life. And in the midst of this time between times, where the kingdom has arrived but the kingdom has not yet uh, fully come, we will continue to pray, your kingdom come, you will be done. We'll be, continue to be invited to trust in Jesus, to surrender to Jesus everything that we are, all the good things and all the bad things, to offer him our burdens, to give him both our, our wants and our needs, as Eileen uh, put it so powerfully. And he will be for us our healer and our deliverer and our light shining in the darkness. In a moment, we will uh, take communion together. And as we take communion, as we always do, there'll be folk at the front here uh, with the bread and with the wine. And then there'll be some other uh, assistants as well. And they'll have some oil. 
and we're offering the anointing with oil this morning. A chance for you just to stop and pause for a moment and to offer yourself afresh to Jesus. And as they anoint you with oil, they will pray for you that you will know uh, the healing and peace that Christ alone can bring. It's an opportunity for you to uh, sort of figuratively fall at his feet this morning, to uh, surrender yourself afresh uh, to him this morning. My prayer is that we'll know healing this morning, that we'll know eyes open and ears unstopped. That God will move among us in his healing power, healing us from infirmities and sicknesses and disabilities. My prayer is that his word to us this morning will be on the Lord who heals you. But if it's not, there is another word that he will speak to us as well. And that's the word he speaks to Jairus. Do not be afraid. Elsewhere in the Gospels, Jesus says, do not be afraid, for I am with you. I'll be with you always. And that, again, is the testimony of Eileen. Paul repeatedly prayed for deliverance, for what he called his thorn in the flesh. And the message of the Lord to him, the word of the Lord for him was, my grace is sufficient for you. And for some of us, that might be God's word to us this morning. My grace is sufficient. I will walk with you. I will strengthen you. I will guide you and protect you. So this morning, as you take communion, there's an opportunity there for you, if you'd like to, just pause for a moment and receive the anointing with oil. To receive prayer for healing. And then if you want to go further with that, there's two, uh, two further opportunities. We've uh, set aside a couple of pews here uh, on my, my left, your right. If you want to just spend a moment longer uh, pausing in the presence of Christ, perhaps bringing a particular uh, situation before him, then you can sit there, no one will talk to you, no one will bother you, no one will disturb you. We've some uh, prayer cards there that you can use those and just pray quietly yourself if you'd like to. Or if you'd like to pray with someone or have someone pray for you and you can tell them as much or as little about what you'd like them to pray for you for, then go into the Lady Chapel and members of our prayer ministry team will be there and they will pray for you. Not in a kind of long extended thing, but just pause for a moment and stand with you and ask God's blessing upon you. The band are going to come back up and lead us Uh, in song as we prepare for communion. And as they do that, I'm going to lead us in prayer. The servant came and said, don't bother the teacher anymore. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just believe, just trust, and she'll be healed. And so, Lord, we know that you invite us to come and you welcome us uh, to come and that you're never too busy for us. And so, Lord, as we come to you uh, today, we pray that we would know your healing in our midst. We know the freedom that you bring. That we know your spirit moving among us and you'd show yourself to be the Lord who heals. 
And Lord, we pray to you that we know you as the Lord who sustains. Where healing is not, not forthcoming as, as often it isn't, that we would know you as the one who strengthens, who stands beside, who enables. Lord, may we testify that your grace is sufficient for us. And so, Lord, we come in faith. We come trusting and we come surrendering. And we come in Jesus' name. Amen.